what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.tv. My name is Alan Jackson. I'm with Biveris uh, in the Jackson Group. I have a newly merged company there where we focus on patient satisfaction surveys, as well as employee and community surveys, primarily for the healthcare field. Uh, with me, Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It is Friday in the Queen City, yes. and uh, so I'm very excited that it's almost the weekend, so I'm doing great. Perfect. That's one of the, the joys of scheduling these recordings on Friday afternoon, as we know that yes. uh, we're getting close to the end of the work week, which is great. Um, and we got some nice weather, relatively speaking, this weekend, climate-wise, so it should be should be a lot of fun. Football season's starting up, so everybody is all excited about that. So yeah. should uh, it's a, my favorite time of the year, so I'm very, very yeah. excited right now. Mine, too. Great. Well, as much as we'd like to talk about football and what we're doing this weekend, we actually do have some important things to talk about with the world of customer service. That's what this show is all about. We get together once a month, record a podcast, and talk about delivering customer service to our clients, our customers, our coworkers, vendors, whoever it may be that we're trying to really raise that culture of service in our organization. Every episode, we get together and discuss one topic. And really kind of go through it, Ed brings just a wealth of knowledge from his company, Customer Service Solutions, uh, talking about the how to raise the stakes with customer service in your organization. And we also always cap off our show with a personal customer service story of the month. And this episode is no exception, as Ed and I will both share a story of something we've encountered in the last 30 days since we got together last that we really want to highlight as an example of either really good customer service or hopefully not really, really bad or lackluster customer service that we've experienced. Ed, for today's topic, um, and I'll admit, I don't have a whole lot of setup for it just because you brought you brought up the title of the episode and I'm automatically intrigued. I think it'll be a Great. fun conversation. You said, how about we talk about the 10 contradictory values of a great customer service team. And so I hear this and think, okay, so there's some actual opposing words and values and things that, that maybe we don't feel like would make up a good customer service teams, but I got a feeling you're going to tell me some of these words and tell me how, in fact, they actually do build a great customer service team. Yeah, that's a that's a good setup right off the top of your head there, Alan. And hey, that's I'm exactly, good like that. I've got plenty yes. of coffee. It's been a great morning so far, so I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Yeah. Well, in terms of these values, I know a lot of times organizations talk about their core values. You know, we want to be responsive or innovative or organizations create their customer service standards or the customer service values. And uh, it talks about being service focused. And uh, there's all these different words and phrases. But when you think of a great customer service team, you're not just talking about serving your external customers, but you're talking about how do you work together? to serve customers, how do you communicate, how do you build relationships, how do you build others in your team up. And when we talk about the key values of a great customer service team, a lot of the terms that that we use are really seemingly contradictory. They're not, but they can seem that way. So we're actually going to go through five different sets of contradictory values, seemingly contradictory values. We'll go through each set of two, and then we'll describe how these are components uh, of a great and characteristics of a great customer service team. Oh, that sounds sounds great. So basically, these words that may sound like 
they're at odds with each other. Actually, you're going to explain to us how they kind of actually work together on things and all come together for this customer service team we're trying to build. Exactly. And in terms of having a customer service team we're trying to build, before we actually get into these examples, let's come up with our own customer service team, Alan. Oh, good. This is always my favorite part of the show. Other than our stories at the end is I like when you kind of make it a a little game to have our conversation around. So great. Yes. So so your favorite part of the show is the first three minutes, in other words. (laughs) The first three and the last two. And the last two. Excellent. (laughs) So, okay. You've heard uh, the old phrase, pick a card, any card. Yes. Well, uh, I'm going to have you pick a team, any team, or you can even make up a team. So I'm going to give you some different different examples of teams in mm-hmm. business. Okay. And we're going to use this uh, fictionary team as we go through our 10 contradictory values. Or if you don't like any of these, you can just make one up and we'll use that one as sure. we go along. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Okay, here we go. We have, uh, as one of our teams, uh, the folks who work on a hospital's nursing unit, mm-hmm. those okay. nurses and staff are a team. Right. Or you could select an IT help desk hmm. if you okay. wanted to talk about that being a team. Right. Uh, you could talk about personnel who work in a retail store, hmm. you know, so everybody's working in some kind of a small mom and pop store, but there's several people who work there. Hmm. Here's a couple other examples, hmm. maybe a leadership team, maybe at local government or any organization for that matter. Um, can I go ahead and stop you? I've got one. Sure. Can we, great. can we do the uh, help desk, the IT help desk? The IT help desk. Yeah, so that sounds like fun. Good. That's uh, we're we're going to be going through a major uh, email sh- transition in our company later this afternoon. So I have a feeling I may be playing a bit of an IT help desk uh, role. So I may need to get prepped up for that here in a little bit. So okay, well yeah. this will be great. It'll talk about not only how do you serve customers best, but mm-hmm. almost just as importantly. How do you work with the other folks on your IT help desk? Great. And uh, we've worked on tons of different projects with uh, help desk organizations in local government, in private business, in higher education. So, uh, so that was a good one to select. Awesome. Great. Okay. So here are the first uh, two contradictory values of a great customer service team. I'm going to share these two words, mm-hmm. and then I want you, Alan, to tell me um, why, why they seem contradictory. So the first two okay. values uh, of a great customer service team are humility and recognition. Hmm. So how do those words seem contradictory? Well, humility is, is kind of seems like you don't want recognition. You don't want attention on you. You're mm-hmm. kind of really humble about things. And then recognition is really kind of pointing a spotlight and showing somebody they did a good job or recognizing somebody else for their efforts. So it just seems, yes. it does seem a little obvious, a little opposite there. Yeah. So I'm going to weave them together. So okay. it doesn't seem so, so obvious. So when you think about being a team with your IT help desk team, and you think about humility, we, we do want you, in order to be a great team member, to be humble. Sure. You know, thank others for appreciation. And, and when success is achieved, don't shine that light on yourself like you were suggesting. You know, realize that the success of your department uh, is due in large part to the team. Right. I mean, you are communicating uh, with them about what some of the issues are. They're communicating with you about what issues they're hearing and getting calls on. So you're more prepared when some of these routine issues are coming up, when there's an unscheduled downtime or whatever the case might be. So, mm-hmm. you know, even thinking about you, you talk about football, yeah. we use a quick sports analogy here. You know, even simply good players on a pro football team, when their team wins the Super Bowl, all of a sudden these players start to get tons of recognition as if they were a Hall of Famer. Maybe they just had one great game or maybe they were, they were just part of a great team. 
But but if you are part of a great team and you help that team to win the Super Bowl, all of a sudden you get the recognition. I mean, mm-hmm. there's oftentimes great individual players in pro football who rarely sniff the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl. They get fewer accolades. So the first thing we suggest uh, to be a member of a great team, try not to continually point, shine the light on yourself. Uh, instead, be a little bit more humble about your successes. So if we go through a really successful email transition process, even though there may be a lead person who was kind of the one who designed it and kind of orchestrated the project, it's making sure that recognizing the fact that there's a lot of other people involved and be very, be somewhat humble about that fact and make sure everybody else feels appreciated for their work. Right. So that lead person should not be saying, wow, I did a great (laughs) job. Look what I accomplished for our organization. You know, it was all about me, 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 that sort of thing. Now on the flip side, that seemingly contradictory word recognition comes into play uh, because if you are humble, you know, if Mm -hmm. you subjugate yourself for the good of the team, recognition still needs to be in a team, even if it's not something you try to do for yourself. You know, recognize your teammates. If you are that leader, recognize your staff. If you're one of the staff and a coworker or a leader helped you out, recognize them as well. Recognize your your customers for bringing things to your attention, especially in the world of IT, where oftentimes customers don't loop you into their plans. They kind of execute plans, and now all of a sudden there's all these technical issues, and you're having to react. So, Really, in terms of your role, be humble about yourself, but be appreciative and really focus on recognizing others. And you can think about it this way. Let's say our IT help desk team has five members. Mm-hmm. Now, if each one of these five members is all about themselves and they're always talking about me, 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 what I accomplished, that sort of thing, essentially every one of those five people is going to be recognized by one person <laughs> themselves. Right, sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but if each person was a little bit humble – And they were out there, and every day, how can I convey appreciation? How can I say thanks? How can I try to recognize my coworker? Then you have four different people who are constantly uh, building you up, appreciating you. And instead of just you doing it for yourself, you have four other people who are recognizing and building you up uh, in, in your own heart, your own eyes, but also in the eyes of your customers and others in the organization. So be yeah. humble, mm-hmm. but use that recognition word to recognize others in your team. I get it. So it's really, it's really all about playing up the team and really recognizing yes. the team. And with that, you know, if you as an employee did a really good job, chances are really, really high that you're going to get some recognition coming your way as well for the work that you did on, on the effort yes. without you having to point it at yourself. So yes. great. And that really, yeah. I would imagine because these two working together really helps to build up this idea of a team, which is what you really need to deliver some great customer service. So that's yes. good. Yeah. And that was a good way you said that, how these words work together, you know, mm. it's the humility to self and the recognition for others. And that recognition of others is reflected back on you by your teammates. Yeah. Great. So, so successful teams, they're made up of humble individuals who, who shine recognition on others. All right. Great. Got it. Yeah. Two words yeah. on the surface sound contradictory, but you're right. They all, they can work together very easily. Yes. What's the next pair of words? The next pair of words are supportive and argumentative. So, mm. so Alan, how, how do these words, supportive and argumentative, seem contradictory? Um, well, it just seems like supportive. You know, you're 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 patting everybody on the back and you're you're holding them up and you're you're going along with their ideas. Or argumentative sounds like well, you're going to kind of uh, kind of not fight back, but just be a little more contradictory to their ideas or suggestions yeah. or whatever. So, it does yeah. sound very contradictory. It can, but but just like with the last example, and I like the way you said that how these 
words weave together, these two words weave together as well. When you think about supportive, if you're a member of a team, uh, try to be supportive of your, your teammates as people. Okay. You know, as individuals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in terms of respecting their feelings, respecting their opinions, their background, whatever makes them different, uh, you know, respecting them in such a way, treating them as an individual in such a way that they feel valued by you. So you're respecting them as a person, their opinions, their feelings, um, that sort of thing. Teams need to be supportive. Mm-hmm. Of each other, because especially if you're in a high IT help desk, if you're getting called 99 percent of the time, it's because somebody's irate, they're yeah. upset, yeah. they have a complaint, they have an issue, and it's urgent, urgent, urgent. So we, we need to have that emotional support for each other, but we need to allow people to voice their opinions, that sort of thing. So to be a great teammate in customer service, you really want to be supportive of the other individuals as people sure. on your team. Okay. So argumentative. Right. Yeah, I know it might sound odd. That yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this. Like, how does argumentative yes. fit into being a good value of a of a customer service team? Yeah, if you, I feel like it's great to be supportive of the person, but it's also okay to be argumentative on the point. Hmm. So, you uh, as an IT help desk person are implementing some new system for tracking all of your tickets, and you want to make sure you're making the best decision on what system to implement Mm -hmm. or what functions and features to incorporate or what that training needs to look like or what the timeline is to roll out. To really be a great teammate, you want to make sure those decisions are the best decisions possible. What system, what features, what training, what rollout, what time frame, what plan. So in this case, to be a great teammate, it's okay to to be argumentative on certain decision-making points. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to, to have conflict. Conflict can be good. This mm-hmm. is not like Gordon Gecko. Greed is good. I'm not saying that. <laughs> right. But I am saying conflict is good. Sure. Conflict is good if it's healthy. And the conflict is basically an argument about what is the best decision and best course of action. Mm-hmm. Where conflict or argument is bad is when I'm arguing and, and positioning the conflict as something about you as an individual, you as yeah. a person. But, but if it's about a point, you know, we're arguing about a point where we're having this kind of discussion, and at times it's an uncomfortable discussion because we want to make the best decision possible, mm-hmm. then it's a very healthy thing. And great teams are okay with arguing if that discussion moves the, the decision-making toward the best solution. Well, I think one thing you said really important about that, and you're right, I mean, I, I've been in plenty of conversations that were arguing but in a very constructive and uh, supportive way. You're right. The minute you start turning it into an attack on somebody, yes. it all falls apart. And the other thing I'd say, too, is the minute you're, you're arguing your case, but the, the very second you put up the stone wall and you're not willing to cooperate and listen yes. and hear things on the other side, it also falls apart. So it sounds like it's, it's being argumentative is okay. But you've got to be able to be open and supportive, that other contradictory word, of other people's viewpoints and be able to work together with them while you're arguing your case. So, yes. um, yeah, I, I get that. I totally get that. Yeah, because the last thing you want is either for a bad decision to be made. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in one of those decision-making meetings and everybody's quiet. It's a boring meeting because nobody's talking and probably you're not going to have the best decision made. So, cause you're not getting that input. You're not getting those different perspectives. You're not having healthy debate about certain points. So you don't want that to happen. And on the flip side, you don't want so much argument mm. uh, that is not focused on the decision, but it's focused on the person 
that you're really not moving progress uh, forward. You're not making good decisions. Basically, you're just creating friction and angst within the team. So be supportive of the other individual, but still debate. But when you're debating, debate points, debate decisions, make sure you get everybody heard. So uh, there's the the old saying, weigh in to buy in. The more people Mm -hmm. can weigh in to a decision, the better chance they have to buy into whatever that decision is on the back end. Now, I will say on this point, there's one one really strategic thing that I think any leader of a team has to really keep in mind is how do you create an environment that encourages openness and debate and kind of that argumentative side of things? But also, I would imagine it's a real skill set to also keep keep that dialogue constructive and healthy and not let it get out of control. You know, I could very easily see a department team meeting spiraling out of control if everybody's arguing their points and there's no way of working it together. It does take some skill sets to do that. So you want to support the idea of open debate and arguments against a a point, but you got to be able to help manage that process. It doesn't get out of control. Right. It's not easy. That's why uh, it's very important to have somebody who can serve as a facilitator. Mm. You know, oftentimes it's very hard for somebody to be a leader or to be somebody who's passionate about something and facilitate, because at that point they could facilitate the conversation in the direction that they want. So oftentimes it's good to have somebody who is almost purely a facilitator in those conversations. Um, but if you can't, you still want to set it up by setting parameters. This is what we're talking about. This is a decision. You know, let's focus on what's best for us to make this collective decision for this collective goal, as opposed to talking about individual personalities or or individual responsibilities. This is a collective goal of the organization, and I want to hear everybody and get your thoughts about what is the best uh, decision, best course of action for our organization to make. So being supportive of one another's ideas, their work styles, their, their challenges they're facing, being supportive and helping, but also being able to Say when you disagree with something you're hearing or see, yeah. see a, a problem with a process, absolutely kind of make your point and make your argument against it as long as that dialogue can be managed and, and kept healthy and constructive. Right. So successful teammates, uh, they support each other as people, uh, but at the same time, they're willing to passionately, effectively argue points and listen to the counterpoints that you've been talking about. Uh, make those uh, arguments for the best points to make the best decisions possible. Great. All yes. right. Okay, we, we've tackled two pairs of those contradictory values of a good customer service team. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, sure. we're going to hit the other three pairs, and uh, then, of course, wrap up with our story of the month at the end of the episode. So hang tight. We'll be right back. You're listening to Stepping Up Service here on the TV. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson with Biveris and the Jackson Group, a newly combined company working with patient and employee satisfaction surveys, primarily for the healthcare field. And with me is Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions, a company really specializing in working with a wide variety of industries on improving their customer service culture. Uh, Ed, 
so glad to have you with us again, as always. Thanks. And uh, before we get back into the topic, just a reminder to everybody, if you are interested in learning more about what Ed's company does, Customer Service Solutions, I do recommend you visit their website at cssamerica.com. Great resource for email newsletters to sign up for, blog posts, uh, just kind of great information to read. I enjoy your weekly emails that come out, Ed, and find right. myself reading all those articles and sharing a few of those with my friends as well. So it's good stuff. So we're talking customer service here on the show. We're talking about the 10 contradictory values of a great customer service team. We've already talked about the first two pairs of these values and on the surface may seem like they contradict each other, but Ed has actually shown us how they miraculously work together to create (laughs) this great customer service team that we want to build within our organizations. So Ed, uh, we're on number three. So why don't you let us know what that pair of words is? Right. The third set, uh, and this again, just as a reminder for anybody who's just tuning in now, uh, is really focusing on the example of us being part of an IT help desk team. So that's the example we're going to be using with these different uh, uh, sets of customer service values. Yes. But the next set is proactive and reactive. Mm, So Alan, why do they sound contradictory? Well, you know, every good organization says that they want to be proactive on customer issues. You want to predict customer issues before they happen and take care of things that could come up before the client sees it. The idea of being reactionary is you're basically waiting for the customer to tell you what's happened wrong so you can react to it and follow up on it and handle it. Yes. So right away, those two concepts are, are definitely polar opposites of each other. Right. And they, they are in a lot of ways polar opposites. Uh, and in some ways, they're polar opposites even uh, within this idea of the, the great customer service team. But they're important. Both of them are important. If you want to be a great customer service team, especially in an IT help desk environment, the example we're using, there needs to be a proactive uh, nature. There needs to be a reactive nature that's uh, effective in the group. When I say proactive, great teams anticipate. You know, they are not purely reactive organizations. They look for trends in the IT help desk world. You're constantly uh, asking that 80-20 question. For the last month or two, what are 80% of the call reasons, uh, even though it's only coming from 20% of our calls, but what are those 20% of the calls with those uh, 80% of the reasons for the calls? Um, great service teams also anticipate occurrences. Well, we know that the system's going to be down Uh, at noon on Mm -hmm. Saturday, or we know that uh, Department X is implementing this this new admission system in a hospital or this new finance system in a local government or this uh, new point-of-sale system in a retail establishment. So there are going to be issues. So they anticipate those occurrences and proactively plan for how can I uh, best uh, prepare my staff, my teammates, uh, to address the issues or needs or goals that the organization has. So to be proactive, uh, great customer service teams do this so that their work is not merely focused on fighting fires, mm-hmm. but they also work to identify longer-range plans. They're prepared. Okay. Yeah, so that's a great aspect. I mean, we talk a lot about you know if you're going to be a really good customer service representative or anybody interacting with clients, that's the kind of tone, that's the kind of mindset you need to have on these things. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, so, so where does reactive fit in the whole mix then? Well, reactive, I know a lot of times people think in customer service, well, I get a complaint from a customer, so I handle it. Or there's mm-hmm. this issue, so I deal with it. Or it's a return, so I 
take care of that. So reactionary is to some extent fighting fires, but great customer service teams address those unexpected and urgent issues very well, oftentimes as a team. So especially in the IT help desk environment, you could have somebody who's receiving a call uh, and there is an issue with uh, a particular uh, software. Uh, Maybe there's a particular issue with uh, it's a certain hardware that was just installed. Maybe there's an issue with a certain department. And the individual that uh, is dealing with that particular software, that hardware, that department is not familiar with them. Mm-hmm. So that's when you have to rely on your coworkers. Now, who has dealt with this department before? Tell me the personalities. Mm-hmm. Tell me your understanding of how to best deal with them. Who's dealt with this software before? You know, what are the best questions to ask? What's the best resolution process? Who's dealt with this hardware before? What other IT department members do I need to bring in to best resolve this issue? So when you think about reactionary, it's not just about me solving the issue. It's about me saying, who has dealt with this person, this situation, this product, this service before, and how can we work together to make sure that I'm serving this customer's need as quickly as possible, asking the right questions so I can meet the need right the first time? How can we do this in such a way that we understand the process, we implement the best process, and we're as consistent and effective as possible in front of our customers. You know, Ed, what's interesting is I think back to a lot of the stories you and I have told over the years on this show, just that we've we've encountered, and uh, so many of them are ones where something did go wrong working with a company, but we actually came up with a positive story because of the way the company reacted to it. So it's almost like you're telling me that the perfect customer service team is – almost equal parts proactive and reactive. Mm -hmm. They're trying to prevent those things that are typical issues from happening and knowing them in advance and work and thinking about the client first, but also very equally prepared to know that if something did go wrong or they did need to react to something, they're on it and ready to go. So mm-hmm. having both sides of the coin there is really important. It's almost like your perfect scenario from, from our perspective. Yeah, and it's really interesting you talk about the stories that, that we um, have shared over the, over the years. Uh, we conducted a survey recently for a local government client, and we did a lot of correlation analysis uh, where we looked at individual attributes, questions asked on the survey, and we, we asked which of these, or we analyzed which of these really drove that customer's overall experience or willingness mm-hmm. to recommend this particular municipality as a great place to do business. Well, the second biggest driver of willingness to recommend was how the staff uh, handled issues. Did they handle them fairly? Mm -hmm. So this is not a situation where your customer is going to feel great about you because you've delighted them or you've created the wow experience that we've talked about periodically. This is a certain industry, a certain type of business where how you do things, how well you do things when things go bad is what really drives that customer's perception of you because there are a lot of issues that come up. And issue resolution, the timeliness of it, the fairness of it, the equity of it uh, is is exceptionally important to customers. And some of how you make that uh, perception that you listen to and respond fairly is based on that reaction in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you deal with that one-on-one moment of truth? But some of it is when you look at your service recovery processes and what is our process for issue resolution, which is something more proactive, something you plan, something you strategize when when we have these issues what are the steps we go to? So that's a great example with the stories because when you're going through issue resolution, there should be a proactive planning part, a process that you walk through, and the customer is going to judge that. But they're also going to judge, well, how was that staff person in that moment of truth handling my concern? Mm-hmm. 
Great. Well, I mean, I see how it all works together and both. I I couldn't even tell you if I was to say which one was more important. I don't think I could choose because as both, both having the proactive team and the reactive team and both and being good on both sides is kind of the perfect scenario. So that's great. So what's our next pair? I'll I'll just kind of summarize that one real quick, but these successful teams, um, they plan together, but when the fire's lit, they react in a very well-coordinated, very supportive, very solution-driven manner as well. Perfect. That's really great. And so far, of all the pairs you've mentioned, that's probably my favorite just because just immediately it comes to mind every example of a great customer service example or a bad one. It's normally because one of those two values fell apart and it just didn't work for us. So that's great. All right. What's next? The next pair is individual responsibility and collectiveness. So individual responsibility and collectiveness. How how do those two phrases seem to contradict? Well, individually, you're talking about you, you, what you're responsible for doing, where when I hear collective, I'm thinking, well, what are we as a team supposed to be doing? And I would assume that they would seem contradicted because sometimes you may feel like what you're doing as an individual may or may not be jiving with what the team collectively is supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Now, I'm going to describe how they actually do work together within the team construct, this IT help desk that we have. So when you think about individual responsibility, we just talked about plans. We just talked about reacting to issues. and, And teams that execute plans or deal with issues often have individual team members addressing certain tasks. So it's a team solution, but then everybody's assigned their task in performing that or addressing that solution. So they go off individually. Mm -hmm. So just because we're on a team doesn't mean everything is a team action. I mean, there are still some responsibilities that are determined. It's up to the individual to be accountable for completing the action that they committed to complete. So individual Mm -hmm. responsibility is very important in a team. I mean, you talked about football early on. You think about an offensive line. That they have, uh, if one person could potentially go out and, and decide to block uh, a certain defensive player, and then you have a center who's blocking another player, and they're all blocking players, but there's a certain design for what they as a team should do. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, then all of a sudden there could be a gaping hole in the offensive yeah, line that, that a defensive player can just run through. So it's not just a matter of doing anything or expecting the team as a whole to do it. We have to realize that even though we're part of the team, we have individual responsibilities. We need to understand what those are, commit to them, be accountable to them. Yeah. And even in the the IT help desk example, you know, you, you may have as an individual in the team, a casework list of projects that you have a responsibility for working on or doing or, yes. or satisfying. But like you're saying, when it, it still plays in this whole team thing, if you're not following a team process or using team resources the right way, it could easily fall apart over time or, or not be as effective as it could be. Right. And when it falls apart over time, well, let's talk about collectiveness because okay. this is what we're getting into. It segues into that real nicely, what you mm-hmm. just said. So with collectiveness in a team, there are often leaders, uh, but in a true team, there are not dictators. Mm-hmm. So you might have some leaders on a team, but you don't have dictators. When individual right. responsibilities are not completed, those individual responsibilities we just talked about, it's up to the collective team to hold that team member accountable. So let me, let me repeat that. When individual responsibilities are not completed, then it's up to the collective team to hold that team member mm-hmm. accountable. Sure. So, be, so being a team means collective accountability to ensure the team is moving toward collective 
results. Success is primarily determined by team determined by team performance. So this is one little nuance that's a little bit different. You know, it, it's not that we all as a team decide to do A, B, and C, and Joe does A, and Mary does B, and Fred does C, and then if Fred doesn't do what he's supposed to do, then we're just going to sit back and let the leader come down on Fred. No, mm-hmm. in reality, if you have a really effective team, you, you have uh, this collective goal. Mm-hmm. You might have individual responsibilities at times, but if somebody doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, the team uh, is holding that individual accountable. It's mm-hmm. not that they're sitting back waiting for some leader to come down with the iron fist at that point. So you would hope that somebody who, for whatever reason, isn't able to perform their individual responsibilities. You, know, you want to have a team environment that kind of helps self-regulate a little bit of that. I mean, yes. in other words, you're basically letting that, that team member knows, I've let my team down. Uh, we are collective goals, and our goals are maybe not being met because of my work. So this is what I need to do to improve that in the future. So it becomes this kind of collaborative teamwork instead of somebody coming in and just reprimanding the person and you know what docking their pay or whatever it may be. Yes. You know, it, it, it's not that kind of uh, steel hand. It's a more of a group effort in helping regulate that. Yeah. So you know, going back to the IT example. Uh, let's say that there is a team formed within IT and an IT help desk person is a part of that in kind of a training mode. Uh, and the, the focus of this team is every time the company hires a new person, this team comes together and they make sure that person's IT needs are, are met and up to speed. So you mm-hmm. might have somebody from telecom there. You might have somebody from hardware or uh, there or desktop. You might have somebody who deals with the major software applications. You might have somebody from the IT help desk to kind of educate them on that whole process and does training. Well, what if the IT help desk person does what they need to do, the software person does what they need to do, uh, and you have the uh, telecom person do what they need to do with the phone, and the employee shows up to their desk and there's no hardware sitting there. There's Mm -hmm. no physical computer sitting there. And, and, And if that was a team and a great customer service team, uh, there is going to be a desire on the part of that hardware person to have done that to support the team in this process. And mm-hmm. and the others are going to hold that hardware person accountable for living up to, to, to his end of the bargain. So it's just a different mindset in terms of who you're being held accountable by and then you really wanting to make your team succeed. So you almost have a lot more self-accountability to get things done for the betterment of your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's making sure individuals know their own responsibility and they kind of are holding themselves accountable for those responsibilities, but then also that understanding that it is part of a collective team and uh, everybody's individual roles actually help feed into that collective team and there needs to be that, that idea of we're all working on our roles together as a group and we depend on each other because of that. So Yes, so successful teammates, they act on their individual responsibility and successful teams believe and holding teammates accountable for whatever those collective results are. I got it. Very, very good. Yes. All right. So individual responsibility versus collect- collectivity uh, definitely makes sense there. The collective, I guess. So yes. our last period, what have you got for us here? Okay. I'm going to see how you can do on this one, Alan, because these aren't as obvious as proactive and reactive. But okay. one is values-driven and the other is goal-oriented. So how might those phrases become contradictory? Values I see as a more broad, you know, a broad concept of who we want to be, what we want to be like, what we see as important. Goals are very 
specific and it's very target oriented and it's we need to be at this point or we're going to do this by this date. So one's more ethereal, one's more concrete and specific. That's how I can see them contradicting. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that that's a really good way to look at how they contradict. I always think of values maybe being a little bit more internal, goals are yeah. these things you strive for. But that's really good, the broadness of values oftentimes versus the specificity mm-hmm. of certain goals. Okay. So as it relates to being a part of a great customer service team, great customer service teams are values-driven. Now, when I say values-driven, values-driven teams understand the key characteristics that need to be reflected in how they communicate, in their relationships, in their actions. Uh, Maybe their values are what we just discussed, looking at all these first eight values that we already talked about, or maybe maybe the values are we value innovation, or Mm -hmm. we value responsiveness, or we value collaboration, or we value quality. You know, it's these intrinsic characteristics of their relationships, how they act, what they do, how they communicate, whatever it might be. Great teams should have a set of values, should define what we value in our organization or in our team. So when they look for prospective team members, they're looking for those values in those members Mm -hmm. and they live those values in their daily work. Okay. So more internal, making sure we've got the right values instilled in the people that we've got as a part of the team. Exactly. Okay. Now, it's good that you said internal because, you know, with the goal oriented, it's kind of that external goal. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you think about these characteristics we just talked about, we talked about humility, recognition, supportiveness, mm-hmm. argumentativeness, proactive, reactive, individual responsibility, collectiveness, being value driven. Now, uh, we're not suggesting that these teams should have these values just so they make sure that they enjoy each other's company. The reason why these values are good and helpful and beneficial is if they actually help you to achieve a goal. Mm-hmm. So great service teams, regardless of what their values are, they're not going to become great unless they have well-defined goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they have well-defined goals, if they're proactively planning, uh, the goals tell them why they're planning, what they're trying to accomplish with their plans. If they're arguing about the best decision to make, the goals tell them what they're trying to achieve with their decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're trying to recognize others, use that recognition value, then they're recognizing them for what they've done to move toward their goal. Mm-hmm. So the goal establishes the why behind a lot of these. You know, what, why are we arguing? Because we want to accomplish this goal. You know, what, why are we recognizing? Because they did something to move us toward this goal. You know, what, what are these values supposed to do? These values are supposed to build up in us those characteristics that enable us to most effectively achieve our goals. So organizations need to have those values, but they also need to have strong, well-articulated collective goals as an organization. I see. I see. So, okay, so I got kind of the internal values, you know, kind of trying to build up and make sure we've got the team members we've got. But then as we're looking out and we're looking forward and we're looking where we want to be, it's yes. all about making sure those are all kind of aligning with the overall goals that we're trying to meet and right. more of the metrics, the kind of things that we're trying to target and, and, and do as we move forward. Exactly. So no matter which of these uh, previous nine goals that, that we could be talking about, we're doing that in the end to achieve a goal. Yeah. So great service teams, they understand what their goal is. It's well documented. They're making decisions. They're developing relationships. They're stating values. They're doing all these sorts of things because, in the end, they help them to achieve their goals. So mm-hmm. successful teams live their common values, but they do all that they do with an eye on continually moving toward their goal. Okay. I get it. 
So five pair of, 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 of uh, words that we would think yes. that if we heard them individually, we would think they may sound like completely opposite from one another. But you have successfully matched them up to show <laughs> how each pair actually yes, does feed. You succeeded. Uh, yes. Ten words that really help build that, that perfect, that great customer service team. And uh, I think we're making a good argument that you can't have a great team with just one side of these, uh, these paired words. You've got to have the balance of both to really yes. make those things work. Right. Great. I think it perfectly works. Makes great sense and uh, some good information there. Absolutely. So that's great. So, Ed, we are wrapped up with that pro- that topic, and so now's the time of the show when we get to the end and we actually share our customer service story of the month. And uh, I understand yours may have a little more of a negative tone to it. Yeah, it- usually I go positive, but I've had a couple situations recently that are a little tinged on the negative side. So, yeah. Yes. Well, mine's actually a little on the positive, and I'm normally yeah. the negative guy in the last few episodes, I think. I think I even had one episode where I just ranted for the whole episode. Yes, so. that, that was the <laughs> Alan Rant episode. Alan Rant. So, yes. so anyway, so let me, let me have you start with the negative so I can end us on okay. a positive note if that's okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you a question first, uh, Alan. What, why do people go to coffee shops? To drink coffee. Okay. And why do they go there if they could drink coffee at their house for 25 cents instead of spending $4 at a coffee shop? Well, it may be the maybe the ambiance, maybe the kind of just the overall environment of the coffee shop, somewhere kind of nice to go, or, or it could be to have a better quality coffee. Yeah, exactly right. So people are going there. It's not because they want to spend 4 or $5 on a coffee or a smoothie. Like you said, it's the ambiance. Yeah. It's something special about that coffee or that smoothie or that drink or you know something about the atmosphere. So it just so happens this week I had two client meetings at two different coffee shops. Okay. Ooh. And uh, one coffee shop, I went in there. Uh, when you go through the line, you actually end up interacting with three different staff. Mm-hmm. Out of the three different staff, one smiled, and she smiled for maybe two to three seconds. Uh, otherwise, it was stone-faced from all three employees. When I went to the register, the employee was standing there looking at a printout and uh, was not engaging my client, who was actually right in front of the cashier. So she's sitting there looking at a hard copy printout. Uh, after probably 8, 10, 12 seconds, she puts it down. She doesn't look up again, doesn't smile during the entire conversation. She says to my client at one point, while she's just king in numbers in the, into the register, she says, you smell really good. So my client is, they're, they're both female, so I guess, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a female. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say whether that's appropriate or not, but my client thought it was very odd. I sat down to chat with the client, and I noticed the music was exceptionally loud for a coffee shop. So that was instance number one. Instance number two, very simple. I walk into a coffee shop. I already had coffee. This was a 10 o'clock meeting, so I didn't want another cup of coffee. I wanted a smoothie. Okay. Now, there were two different groups of three smoothies each. One was just normal smoothie, strawberry, banana, whatever. The other was called Power Smoothies. Mm. So I asked, what is a Power Smoothie? And the employee paused and said, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I said, okay, well, does it, does it have protein in it or something like that? She paused and said, I don't know. So my next mm. question was, the first smoothie was called a Green Power Smoothie. And oh, I wanted boy. to ask, well, what's in a Green Power Smoothie? But I... 
thought our brains might explode if I asked that question. It's a green version of whatever I just told you I didn't know. (laughs) Apparently. So I ordered the strawberry and banana smoothie and I walked away entirely unimpressed. Uh, You know, there's no knowledge, but even more so than no knowledge, there was no desire, no effort to find the answer to my question. Right. I mean, it's okay if you don't know, Mm -hmm. but I mean, at least, you know, find somebody, get the answer to the question. You know, it it was just a bad experience. So these were not horrific experiences. They're just examples of why, uh, you know, customer service is perceived to be so bad nowadays. But when you're going into an organization and you talked about amenities Mm -hmm. and you talked about. Uh, how some about the atmosphere and uh, we talk about you're paying four dollars for a cup of coffee four or five bucks for a smoothie instead of 35 cents to make it in your house you, you're expecting something beyond somebody reading a sheet of paper somebody something beyond people not knowing basic questions and not being willing to ask yeah. something beyond the music being too loud or or your customer being asked awkward questions in the line so yeah, it's just one oh, of those situations where that that's why coffee shops were designed. I would assume some of those things, and none of those were prevalent uh, during during those two experiences. Well, and you know we've talked about this whole idea of amenities or the service that surrounds a product. I mean, and it's becoming more and more obvious. I think that you know we can get our products anywhere. I yes, mean, coffee. I will be the one to say I, a certain fast food chain that is right next to my right down the road from my house. I think has technically just as good a coffee as anywhere else I could get. I am perfectly happy going through the drive-thru and getting a coffee. Just don't spill it on yourself. Just don't spill it. <laughs> there there is a, there's a little warning on the, on the, on the cup. Yes. But you're right. You know, if I'm thinking to myself, I want to be somewhere in a nice environment. I want to have a, kind of a nice decor around me. I want to have a good place to sit down and talk with somebody or read or whatever. I'm not going to go into that fast food place. I'm going to go to an actual coffee shop. So there again, the product is out of the mix. It's now what surrounds the product. And uh, it's kind of the Amazon model. I mean, Amazon's products that they sell are no different than what you could get at the store or anywhere else. It's you're getting them from them because of the way the service is handled and the way it works. Um, So, yeah, that's that's tough. I know how how difficult that is to, you know, especially the, the staff not knowing the answers to things. That never bothers me when a staff person says they don't know, as long as the very next thing they say is, let me go find out for you. Either I'm new here and I'm sorry, I haven't learned that one yet, but let me go find out for you right now. As long as they do that, I'm perfectly happy. Um, I don't expect everybody working at a store to be the genius of every product and every service that they sell. So, um, yeah, okay. Well, not a terribly negative one, you know. It wasn't like, you know, you didn't lose a lot of money or nothing got broken or – Oh, that it's just it's just it's annoying. I know it's a little more disappointing. I guess that that they don't figure these things out. Yeah, um, exactly. So mine's kind of also very simple and very small, but but also had a big impact. And it's the kind of thing where you know you've got a good customer service experience when um, you're with your family and everybody in the family after this happens looks at each other and says. That was really cool what they just did. Wow. Yeah. So that's we were at a restaurant last Friday night. And normally we try to avoid going to a lot of big busy restaurants on our family night out because it's just here in the town where we live, I think the only night of the week anybody goes out to eat dinner is Friday night. So it's just oh. a massive line anywhere you go, just about. But we rolled the dice and said, All right, there's this one place we really want to go. Let's go. We're gonna do it. We knew it was gonna be crowded. We knew it was gonna be probably a long wait, and that's fine. We kind of steeled ourselves up for it. Um, so we got seated. The wait wasn't that bad. It was it was about what we expected to be. 
And it told us, you know, 20, 25 minutes. We were there 20, 25 minutes. We got seated. As we were seated, we realized we'd kind of been sitting for a little while. Nobody had come by. It was a little odd. And we thought, well, we know they're busy. But, you know, it's starting to get on up there in the number of minutes. Waitress came by, very apologetic, and just said, I'm so sorry. We just got hit with some things that we didn't expect. And we're very sorry. What can we do to kind of go ahead and get you guys going? And can I go ahead and take your food order or whatever? So that was fine. You know, she at least acknowledged it. She apologized and she did her best to kind of get us on track. There were a couple instances we heard within the restaurant of like maybe somebody, two people running into each other, like waiters. I think a food fell at one point. We heard a broken glass in the background. We just knew it was kind of a little chaotic. But what happened within like two minutes of some of these things starting to happen is a gentleman came by our table and said, uh, you know, hi, I'm the manager here. And I'm just wanting to let you know, we're having a little bit of a tough night. And it's like, this is not normally the way we operate. And I'm just letting you know that things are not running as smoothly as we'd like. So we're going to double our efforts right now to kind of get everything back on track. And I just hope you'll kind of bear with us for a few more minutes as we do that. And he said, and also, I know, too, that it may be a little cool in here right now. We had a massive problem with our AC units just a little bit ago. It all happened at the same time. We're very sorry. And as he walked away, all four of us at the family just kind of looked at each other. I was like, that was really nice. A, because he was being a little proactive. We didn't think it was cold. We hadn't noticed anything, but that he was kind of being proactive to say, if you started to feel that way in a little bit, please know that we, we, we understand and we're, we apologize. And also nothing had really bad happened to us. We didn't get our order messed up. Our food wasn't really slow coming to us later on. He just kind of was getting a sense that things were starting to get a little less smooth than they would have liked. And he was going around personally at every table and just kind of explaining what was going on. And, you know, there again, I, my wife and I both said to each other, you know, no matter what was happening, how, how much it was messing up our experience, him coming by and talking to us makes us kind of forget about it a little bit. We don't even think about it. So if our food was a couple minutes later and we expected it, we wouldn't have been bothered by it or upset about it. So it's just a simple thing of just talking it out and letting the customer know what's going on. And I really like this phrase is that, you know, things are not going as smoothly as we would like for you guys. And we're really working hard right now to, to get it back on track. That just mm-hmm. really said a lot to us. And I think it really mm-hmm. kind of made that evening pretty enjoyable, even though as we really think about it, yeah, a few things were a little quirky and didn't go as well. But uh, it was still a nice night out for us because of that conversation. So, Yeah, that's interesting because uh, I assume that you could have gotten the exact same food in the exact same time frame and yeah. yet walked away with the worst experience just because you were agitated. Why is it taking so long or what's going on or what's all the noise? But uh, you're right. By him proactively going to you, anticipating there might be concerns, he's kind of managing expectations, he's apologizing in advance. You know, it actually helped to make your evening probably a little bit better as a family mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Uh, along with the impression of the restaurant probably being a little bit more positive. So that's well, great. And probably what was my favorite thing about it, too, is my two, my two kids, you know, 14 and 10, sitting there at the table. And I think, you know, the hearing us acknowledge that, okay, this is the way you do things in a business when you have problems. Mm-hmm. This is the way you handle it. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing that and they're recognizing that. So that's always obviously a good lesson for them as well to know that, mm-hmm. hey, you know, it's okay. We, uh, if things in our job maybe don't go as smoothly, as long as we're on top of it and we're being very service-minded with whoever we're working with, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it work. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, oftentimes, if just my daughter and I are going out and we're – whether it's at a restaurant or just doing something, running errands – if if there's an especially good or bad experience, 
we'll we'll make eye contact as we walk away because you know she knows the kind of business I'm in, and I'll just ask her, <laughs> "What did you think about that?" Right, and she'll either say, "Well, that wasn't good because of this and this and this," and what should she have done? Well, she should have done this, or that was really good. You know, I wasn't expecting that. So it's good when your kids kind of sense, yeah. and you can have that conversation about, well, what should things be like in the business world? You know, what should things be like? Uh, when you're trying to serve others, which so much, uh, you know, of life or business, you know, is is about. So that's great that you have that kind of um, acknowledgement and awareness from your kids and seeing, uh, you know, the experience themselves. Well, it's a really good lesson. I mean, not just for pure customer service, but just yeah. thinking about how to be successful, you know, in, in a yes. job, a career is knowing how to how to kind of deal with these things and to deal with people. So I love it whenever yeah. we can showcase a really great situation or highlight a bad yeah. one and explain why with our kids. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great. Ed, it was a great episode. So we talked about our characteristics, these opposing characteristics that actually do work together to build a great customer service team. And then we both had our story, a little balance there, simple stories, simple things, but both of them have obviously impacted us and, and made a, an impression on us with the organization we visited. So we're happy to be sharing them with you guys, the listening mm-hmm. audience. So this has been stepping up service, our show here on the mesh.tv the mesh.tv is a network of podcasts, and that means you can basically subscribe to any show on our network and get those automatically downloaded to you whenever a new episode is posted. Kind of think of it like a DVR on your TV shows where you're recording a series that you really like and you turn on the TV and voila, there's a new episode sitting there waiting for you to watch whenever you want. Podcasts are the same way. It's audio or video programs that are just downloaded and ready for you uh, whenever you need them and the shows that you want to hear. So we do encourage you to visit us on uh, the mesh.tv website. That is T-H-E-M-E-S-H dot TV. Or you can just go to Apple iTunes or anywhere where they uh, have a directory of podcasts and search for our show. You should be able to find it in a, some instructions on how you can subscribe to the show to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Ed, as I mentioned earlier, people can find out more about you and your company at Customer Service Solutions. That's CSSAmerica.com is the website. Or do a search for Customer Service Solutions. I'm just sure you guys are high up on the list there. Oh, yes. And it's yeah. a good way for people to get connected with you, ask you questions, talk to you directly, or just subscribe to some of your email newsletters and your company's uh, correspondence, some great information that they're sharing over there. And then you can learn and then learn more about what we do. Uh, It's kind of a, we're in a little mixed mode right now. It's the Jackson group.com is our original company, but we have uh, merged with another patient satisfaction and survey company called by And so uh, you can check out either website and see, get a sense of what we're doing as a combined company. Now working in the world of patient and employee satisfaction surveys. All right, Ed, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. So you have a All great, right, great, great weekend. Enjoy some of the games this weekend. And I'll look forward to talking to you next month. Okay, great. Sounds good, Alan. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.